We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 224. It has been what feels like 20 years since the last time we saw a Yankees game. It's funny, when you're in the, the groove of the regular season, and there's night after night of Yankee baseball, and then you don't have it for two straight days, you start to get withdrawals. Yeah, it's a strange thing, especially when you're, when you're actually expecting a doubleheader. You're, so you're expecting a twin bill, and you get nothing, absolutely nothing. So... 
Um, it was a disappointment today because I was uh, I was really looking forward to taking advantage of this Tiger series right now because now was when these guys needed it. It wasn't we don't need this in June. We need the Tiger series right now when mm -hmm. the Tigers are terrible. I mean, well, the I Tigers them, are. I expect them to be terrible, terrible in June. June, but we currently see how terrible they are now. So, you know, I wanted that uh, that that nice little uh, that nice little series win, but. Absolutely. I guess it's still a series win, right? Kinda. <laughs> one, one out. Well, I guess we won't know until June fourth. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I tweeted this question out. It's interesting. How many games did the Yankees have canceled this weekend? Two or three? Um, two. How many did they have postponed? They had three postponed. <laughs> See, I disagree with you. I think they had three canceled and two postponed because they, there's only going to be two games later in the season. But they had three games not played. One on one on Saturday and then two on Sunday. It's a I, trick question. It's a complete. What'll put your brain into a pretzel trying to think about this? It's like it's like the Rain Man equation with the numbers flying across the screen. You don't know what's happening here. Yeah, but I, uh, I, it's I'm very divisive on one of them. Fifty fifty. You're 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 doubling up on one game though. I'm only counting one game as one. I get that. Two yeah. games postponed, three games canceled. All right. Yeah, it's been a, the bottom line is we didn't play any baseball, and no. uh, unfortunately, that's uh, the the rain. It's it's crazy because it was uh, you get like some decent days where you can actually play baseball uh, on the East Coast, and then you go to Detroit, and it's just shitty, shitty, shitty. Yeah, it was it was pretty crummy on on Friday night too. And you just looking at the forecast, you knew they were going to have a hard time. That's why when they scheduled the doubleheader for today, and the first one gets rained out, it's like. We know what's going to happen in the night game. They're not playing at 7 o'clock at night. It's going to be 30 degrees and raining out. Like, come on, guys. Just cancel it now so save ourselves the two hours of wondering. But Got to wait. The Yankees always wait. I feel like every single time there's a, there's a delay in this. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we get into everything, want to just remind people about May 26th event versus the Angels. That is a Saturday night game, 7 p.m. We're going to be doing the pregame at the Bronx Brewery. With your ticket, you not only get a, a seat in section 205 or 206, which is a great location, middle level, right field, right behind Judge. Then you also get a t-shirt, custom designed t-shirt for the event. Uh, the ones that were, um, what would the, it's going to be so, like sort of just uh, one mission. Was the, the one mission shirt. Right. And it's going to be like, that's going to be the theme is this, this chase for 28, this mission that the Yankees are on. That's going to be the theme with a lot of these t-shirts. Yeah, but maybe not. Who knows? I'll, it depends on what I'm thinking of when I'm designing it. So don't be setting me up. Don't 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 put baby in the corner. Don't put baby in the corner with his designs. No, uh, yeah, we I have not come up with it yet. I'm actually in the middle of uh, the concepts, um, but they're going to be good. And it might have something to. We may be trolling Otani in the shirt too. There may be some of that. We might get in trouble. We might get. He might shut us up because he's looking pretty damn good. Yeah. And I hope the Angels change their um, their their plan for him. Their game actually got rained out today. He was supposed to pitch. He's getting rescheduled to, I believe, Tuesday. But their plan is he pitches every Sunday, but they give him a buffer because he's a little baby and he needs a buffer on a day off on Saturday and Monday. So if that were the case, we might not see him. But I think by the time May 26th rolls around, the Angels are going to need him in the lineup. Maybe we get to see him DH. Well, and you know, once you start fixing into these, uh, these rainouts and the fact that he's going to pitch on a Tuesday now, uh, if he does actually pitch in that game, which I assume he would, 
then you know that that schedule is all screwed up. Baseball and managers always go in with their eyes wide open and try to like put this this label and this schedule on things, and then it, it changes all the time. So well, you have a plan. You have a five man rotation, and yeah. injuries happen. Shit, shit's out the window, and then look what ha- look what the Yankees had to deal with in the first week of the season. Well, I hope they get, I hope they get greedy because they're realizing what he is right now, and they're like, yeah. well, we need to get this guy out way more often than this. You know, I actually read. Uh, I, it was clickbait. I, I read an article. I forget where it was. I'm not even going to give them the, the glory of telling them where it was. But it was, the, the title was, Was Otani Trolling Us in Spring Training? So was Otani being crappy on purpose so he could just shut everyone up in the first week of the season? No, I, I think that he was using spring training as a, as a, you know, a way to get better and work on things, something that a lot of people use spring training for. People don't care what happens in spring training. It just so happens that he had all this height and was terrible, so that was the first thing anybody ever saw. But no, he was just getting ready. He was, uh, you know, getting used to things, trying things out, working on certain things, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's, it's when, when guys are coming in saying that he belongs in the minor leagues after <laughs> a few spring training games, like I'm wondering what you're watching. You're what are you looking for that says that? The result or are you looking well, at the he way had he a is? 27 ERA as a pitcher and he was batting like 110 as but a again, hitter. But again, that's the the uh the results don't matter at all. Like I understand those are pretty But he looked ugly they're doing high it. And high and like extremely high and extremely yeah, he low. He looked really ugly doing it. But yeah. whatever. This is not about Otani. Uh, but also, as we mentioned, you get the t-shirt, you get the game event, you get the pregame party and a free beer at that pregame party. So those are on the website. Go check it out. That's our next event, May 26th. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, no. Did you say it's at the brewery? We're doing it at the brewery beforehand and you get the first pint, uh, the 16 ounce pints, uh, included in the ticket. Literally just said that. Perfect. Uh, so we said the two games on Saturday and Sunday are rescheduled for a doubleheader on Monday, June 4th. For a 1 o'clock and a 7 o'clock game. That, that Monday was supposed to be an off day. The Yankees should have been traveling from Baltimore to Toronto. Now they have to make a pit stop in Detroit for that doubleheader. This is going to come... You mentioned that it, it sucks because the Tigers are pretty trashy right now. The Yankees could use a rebound. And this was <laughs> the Tigers were that team. Now they're going to have to play them in the middle of a stretch where they have a pretty tough schedule. That is going to be, they're going to play 14 games in 13 days. The Angels, Houston, Baltimore, Detroit, and Toronto in June. Now, ideally, the Yankees will be healthy by that point. They'll have Sabathia back. Maybe their pitchers will start, um, start to get into more of a groove because the weather will be warm. Stanton, Judge, Sanchez, who knows, maybe even Bird at that point. But 14 games in 13 days is not fun, especially when you're playing the Astros in the middle of that. Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, it's it's definitely one of those stretches that you wish you had a, a day off in between. So hopefully, especially a double header when you when you have a, a double header lumped into that stretch of a games too, it's it's brutal because it hurts you before and after, um, depending on you know what Boone's going to do. So you you run into some manager managerial decisions when uh, when you're when you're you know trying to control guys and, and how how long a catcher can go or what your bullpen's going to do because there's a quick turnaround now uh, from the night before and the night after. So. It's it's not a good situation for them, but you know what are you going to do? It's uh, <laughs> I can't control the weather, unfortunately. If we could, it would be it would be better. Uh, and I know a lot of people are bitching about, hey, why are we playing so many early games, some of these a- April games in, uh, in in places that can possibly be uh, weather issues? But that's that's a whole rabbit hole. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's it's like the schedule that people are complaining about the schedule, and obviously that. You could work it out where East Coast and cold weather teams only play in warm weather or dome stadiums. It's, it, it, the math checks out on that. But then that would be 
I mean, what are we at? April 15th? So you're going to have the Yankees on the road for, for over two weeks of the season just because you don't want it to rain in New York during that time? And, and at this point, we're over two weeks into the season, and it's still frigid in New York City. It is going to be like close to 30 degrees, possible snow coming in this area this week. Like It is crazy. This weather is not how it should be at this point. Well, right, and you can't, you can't just say that you know, the teams that are in bad weather, potentially bad weather cities, have to go on the road for that long. Like that's, that's where, the, it, where everything goes wrong and where, where nothing, it doesn't make sense because then you're, you're, you're essentially giving them all of the beginning of the season uh, visitor, visitor games, and that's not fair to do it to any team. That's not, that's not how you, uh, you know, make a fair schedule. And, and once the schedule comes out, uh, they have to you know, make certain checks to make sure that things are good and make sure that, that you know, they're being as fair as they possibly can to all of the teams and just can't do that. What about maybe they should just start the season a week or two later? Well, the problem with that is then you, you're ending later and you're going to have a problem in the postseason. So th- that's the whole rub. The reason they wanted to bring it, I think, earlier this year was so that the postseason games aren't going so late. No, and, it's not. It nothing to do with that. They had added four extra off days to the schedule. Right. That's, but the games are going into November now. And depending yeah. on where you're playing, uh, what happens if one of these bad weather cities is in the World Series, like the Yankees, and it's snowing in uh, late October, early November? That's going to happen too. Yeah. Uh, do you, and I mean, the, only, weather, solution, Susan, right. the only, only uh, actual solution to this, it seems, is they'd have to chop off some games of the season and we know that's not going to happen because that's going to be revenue out of the pockets of owners and they're never going to sign up for that no this is this is definitely one of those things that people just have to deal with (laughs) it's it's not it sucks it's it's not going to change it sucks we didn't get to watch baseball for two days and it sucks that the Yankees are going to then put them it's hard to sweep double headers so you were looking at going into this weekend you wanted to sweep Detroit because they're not a good team and now when they have to go on the road in the middle of this stretch and go to Detroit for a doubleheader and they split you're gonna say okay well that's a win hopefully no one got injured in the doubleheader and you get out of there with one win because that's what usually happens in doubleheaders yeah I'm wondering how their pitching staff is going to be by then because uh, currently it's not a good situation so I can't imagine can't imagine it getting too much better Sessa was gonna have to start one of these games this weekend Sessa will probably end up starting one of those games then because they're gonna have to call somebody up yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Detroit, though. Detroit's oh. still going to have a terrible rotation at that point. Yeah, true. Possibly worse. <laughs> uh, speaking of bad weather, it was bad weather Thursday for Sonny Gray's start. I am getting really sick and tired of watching Sonny Gray beat himself on the mound. He's got the stuff. He's got the movement on, on his pitches. He's got the arsenal. He can throw four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, a hundred different types of pitches. But he always seems to find himself in 2-2 two, two, and 3-2 counts. Gary Sanchez is flopping all over the place trying to block these pitches. It's just Sonny Gray does not look comfortable on the mound, and he's, like I said, he's beating himself, and he beat himself against the Red Sox. You know, one of the big things talking about it, and and we've talked about this a hundred times, and he was vocal about it before the game too, saying that, you know, what do you have to do? What are the objectives of today's start? Well, I got to attack the zone. Got to attack the zone. Got to make sure that I'm throwing a lot of strikes, being in there, being aggressive. And that that was the one thing that was frustrating the hell out of me because... I love. I I used to love watching Sonny Gray pitch. I thought Sonny Gray was is one of those guys that, um, you know, fits the mold of of, of one of my like the, the guys that I like to watch pitch as far as has, having good a lot of uh, different pitches, good stuff, mixes it up, and actually pitches. It reminds me of the the El Duques of the world. Although I'm not comparing the two, I'm just telling you that they had a lot of pitches and are fun to watch when they're good. Um, and when you're when you have that many pitches and you can't throw them for strikes, 
you know, then then w- w- what's the point in having you know that much uh, that many different pitches to deceive a, a batter? Because it doesn't matter at that point. If you can't throw it within the strike zone, none of the other pitches matter. It, it's it, your can. repertoire. Your repertoire is then you know reduced to whatever you could throw over the plate. This is, I don't think he's a guy that doesn't have control of his stuff. and I think he's just afraid to throw strikes in a lot of situations. He's nibbling. I saw a guy nibbling. He, yeah, like you said, he says, I want to attack the zone every single time. Then he goes out there and he doesn't do that. So I, I'm, I'm no longer going to listen to that, Sonny Gray. Like, until you go out there and prove it, shut the hell up. I don't yeah. want to hear your pregame press conferences about how you need to attack the zone. We all know you need to attack the zone. Every moron out there watching the game knows you need to attack the zone. He's not doing it. He especially needs to attack the goddamn zone. I mean, his stuff is good enough where yes. he can get swing and misses, swings and misses. And when you're not outside, when you're outside the zone, like I said before, like the, the, the repertoire of pitches that you have becomes, you know, less effective, obviously. Your arsenal is not there unless you can throw it for strikes. And if he's trying to be too cute, trying to be too, uh, you know, too accurate on the, on the corners, he needs to, to cut that shit out and... And uh, get on the same page of whoever's catching, because I don't care who's catching. That is not a problem. And we, we I know we have numbers that say uh, they're different as far as the the amount of, of innings. <laughs> different is a way to well. And to the, I mean, I'm saying it to be fair. Uh, sample size. He, the sample size and the amount of innings that Gary Sanchez has caught are, are basically double. So, you know, look. The bottom line is you got to work with these guys. You can't have a personal catcher situation where you're only feeling comfortable with Austin Roman. To me, that's just, that's not a prof- way a professional needs to play baseball you need to get on the same page with gary sanchez figure that out personal catchers i think we've talked about personal catchers enough on this podcast we hate them and uh, boone doesn't like them he said that in spring training there will be no personal catchers on this team sunny gray's had three starts so far this year one of them came with sanchez it would have been two had uh, Sanchez not left that extra inning game against Baltimore with the calf issue that's the only reason he didn't catch sunny gray the next day the the game that we were there on april 7th uh, but the numbers for Romine and, and Sanchez are, are drastically different. He has three starts. This is actually from last year, from 2017. Three starts with Romine, 18.2 innings, 145 ERA, and seven walks. And then with, with Sanchez, it was eight starts, 46.2 innings, 463 ERA, and 20 walks. What are the numbers there that jump out to you? Um. You know, when you're, when you're looking at the, the numbers that are consistent to, that jump out to me are the walks. The walks are, are consistently bad. Consistently bad. He's not throwing strikes to anybody. I don't care who's receiving the ball. Uh, but that's a problem. That's, that's, yeah. where, that's where his problem is, uh, is, is starting from. Because this is what we saw last year, too. Like, this guy had, you know, one of the, one of the best reputations coming over, throwing strikes, being, I know he takes a long time on the mound, He's like super deliberate in between pitches, which drives me a little bit insane. Like it, I, I think it's hard to get a rhythm at that point. At least that's what it, it feels like. That's a, a real thing. Um, but you know, he he would throw strikes. The the fact that he's throwing this many balls and walking this many guys per nine, three and a half per nine, that's unacceptable. Not going to have success that way, especially against the Red Sox, who are super hot right now. That lineup is is hitting. You can't and- be behind in the count every time. It was, it was such a sloppy game, too. The Yankees didn't play good defense behind him. Sanchez was, like I said, flopping around back there trying to block these balls. Uh, it was ugly all around. And I, I, it's just very frustrating because the talent is there. I think Cone said on the broadcast, Sonny Gray seems like he's always going for the corner. And that's what gets him in trouble. He needs to trust his zone and attack hitters, and he, his stuff is good enough to get guys out. He's got movement on his fastball. He can throw a couple different breaking balls. 
he can get guys out, not in the middle of the plate. No one gets guys out in the middle of the plate. But he doesn't need to hit the black every single time with his fastball, and he can still get guys out. You know, during the last one, too, and I know we're going to talk about press or the way that he uh, kind of spoke after the game because it was, it was weird. It was a, it was a strange interview uh, when they came to the locker and all the, all the reporters were talking to him. But one of the things that, you know, they were talking about was the fact that he was shaking off Gary Sanchez quite a bit and they, it didn't seem like they were on the same page. And, and, and as far as, uh, you know, what pitches to throw, when to throw them, it seems like there is a disconnect there. And if there is a disconnect there, and it obviously feels like there is, um, especially when you listen to and feel the tone of his voice, there's, you know, you got to fix that. Like this, this is not a situation where, you know, Gary Sanchez is calling the pitch that he wants to throw uh, and that's it. Like, there's a game plan. You guys need to be talking about it beforehand. Talk about situational pitches. Like, all of these things need to happen. It seems like the communication before the start is is lacking, and that's one of the big problems. There's no confidence. We heard all spring that Gary Sanchez and Sonny Gray were working together. Yeah, that, I mean, that was one of the uh, that was one of the storylines that we were excited about because that's yeah. a that's an important thing. And I I thought that was going to be a really big deal because especially with the way Sonny Gray pitches. He's because he has so many different uh, break, so many breaking balls, and he could throw them at any count. You got to be on the same page with your catcher. And the fact is, at the end of last year, they just they didn't have as much time together. We um, gave him the pass though last year because a guy we, came over in the middle of the season. Right, it was understandable. And, and so now you have an no, ex- no excuses now. No, to not no be excuse. on the same page. And and I'm not saying uh, I don't think the answer is oh just start Romine. The answer is Gary Sanchez and Sonny Gray figure your shit out. Yes, hundred percent. Um, you, you can't you can't just you can't do that and take uh, Gary Sanchez's bat out of the lineup. Hell no, especially now he's starting to hit. He's starting to get hot. And right. and Gary Sanchez, I mean, he goes on one of those hot streaks. He's the best hitter in baseball. So he's one of the best. I don't, you know. No, I'm saying like he, he can be the best hitter in baseball when he's on a hot streak. Look what he did in the month of uh, August a couple years ago. He hit like 20 yeah. home runs. He could be among the best hitters in baseball. Yes. Whatever you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so here's a question: uh, Sonny's next start comes Thursday against Toronto in the Bronx. Who catches? It's got to be. I mean, it, unless it just falls on a day that, that Gary Sanchez is going to have a normal off day, day off. before. Wednesday is oh. an off day. It's got to no be Gary excuses. Sanchez. Hundred percent, Gary Sanchez. He's your, he's your starting catcher. Yep. He's the guy. He's your catcher. There's no other. There's no other way to put it. Like you got to figure it out. It's still early in the season where you can live with some of these things, but you got to get it straightened out now. I'd rather get it straightened out now and, and and not avoid the situation and then have it come up and be a problem later. But deal with it now, straight on, and, and make sure that you get it. Whatever the problem is, whatever the disconnect is, they need to figure it out now in April, not in June or July. Right. So with no baseball the last two days, I just feel like every Yankees fan's been on Glaber Torres' watch. Yes. That's, we've been, I've been watching clips of Scranton <laughs> Wilkesbury. He's on fire. So Torres got off to, I think it was, it was like in his first 10 at-bats, I don't know if he had a hit. Now he's hitting 385, 15 for 39 with a homer, a triple, and two or excuse me, uh, yeah, a homer, a triple, and two doubles. Um, he has been playing only second and third. I know you talked to Donnie Collins about Torres and how they're using him and all that kind of stuff. But we thought there was com- some confusion on when he could actually be called up. We thought it was the regular deadline, which was on Friday. That's not true. It's because he was on the 40-man roster. He needed to spend an extra few days in the minors. Another one of baseball's little minute rules. So the day he can get called up is Wednesday April 19th, which is this Wednesday. Boone was asked about it, and uh, he said, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? Not necessary. And to that, I say, 
So you're saying there's a chance? Yes. I mean, talk about some obscure answers. You know, I think one of the, uh, the glaring things, too, is that uh, over the last four games, I don't know if you played today. If you played today, I'm not sure where he played. But before, today, bef- before, Saturday, before Sunday, if he didn't, um, if he played in the, the field, it was four games at third consecutive. So we're seeing him more at third as well. And that is something to me that is very interesting because, you know, I don't know if the Yankees are, are saying that Drury is, is a long ways away. We really haven't heard much about him. Um, and, and these, we know how these head injuries can, can linger. Um, or they, or, and they don't have the confidence in Anduar. You know, he's, he's shown to be a bit shaky at the, in the field. He has, he's made some bad errors. Um, but he's starting to hit now. Uh, he wasn't hitting before. So it's interesting where he's been playing. If, if you see that he's been, they just say he needs more work at third base, and that's why they're trying to load it up at the end uh, before he gets called up. Or he's going to be coming up and playing third base. Yeah, there's a couple of ways you can interpret it. I think he's probably more comfortable at second base. He's played a lot more second base in his minor league career. So I, I would guess it's just he needs more reps at third base. And they want to get him as many reps. at third. Like second base might be more of a natural just thing for him instead of third base or it could or it could be that jury we just don't know what the hell is going on with him like there's not really been many updates other than the fact that he is he had tests nothing was conclusive and he's trying to get right but it's kind of like a mystery well and we remember how i mean how long has it has it taken for clint frazier to come back from that concussion Right, but this wasn't a concussion for jury this was just he's been dealing with blurried vision I, i read he's been dealing with this his whole career but I'm saying this is one of one of the unpredictable injuries that you you'll get in any sport is the head injury. You, there's nothing really to to say. Okay, you're going to be better in X amount of weeks. You're just better when you're better, better when you when feel better. better. You can you can do scans of the brain all you Could want be tomorrow, but until you're ready and until you actually feel good, then you're ready. But only the body knows, and only the person. Knows. So doctors can't really do much for you, uh, unfortunately. I saw a spray chart for Glaber's uh, hits, and he's got. Uh, five to left field, four to center field, five to right field. This is when he had 14 hits. I don't know where his, his, his single today went, but hitting to all fields, he, he looks to be a complete hitter. And, and that was what Donnie said. One of, the, one of the big things that Donnie said that I took away from uh, his, his analyzations of, um, of Gleyber Torres was he makes adjustments like in game, like if, if something happens in an at bat, like that next at bat, he will make that adjustment. He will make it in, in, uh, you know, within a, an at bat, like he's a smart guy who can make these adjustments and feel what he's doing. I think it's such a big deal when you're a player and you can feel that something is, is either not right. Or if you need to make an adjustment, you can feel enough of your swing in your body and where your hands are that you can actually make that adjustment on a fly. Like that is a, that is a, a skill that not a lot of guys have. It's that is next level feel for the game. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's something that not everybody has, and it's something where you could take uh, the most talented guy in the world, um, and there's plenty of players with talent. But if you have that that next level feel, those intangibles, then you become a superstar. Yeah. Now, I mean, we don't know if Glaber Torres could come up and not be able to hit. He could be a complete bust. But everything so far in his career is that he has quote it. So. I can't wait for him. I cannot wait until he's called up. And I don't know. I, I think it's, we said June. It's got to be before June, right? I think at this point now, yeah, I think we're, we're talking. I mean, there's a countdown ever, yeah, from Wednesday on. I think it's, uh, it could be any day. Um, and, and talking just quickly more about Drury, uh, we have Sydney, who's in the, the comments, I, I guess, uh, also someone who gets migraines, saying that there's usually when they're, 
they're hard to diagnose. And for the most part, there's never one reason why you get them. So that's crazy. So the amount of reasons, it could be a list of things that, you know, they've attributed to where, you know, he has, he does this. And then the next day he has a migraine and maybe that's a, you know, a list of five or six things, who knows, but they can't pinpoint why or, or, you know, when it'll happen a lot of the time too. My mother used to get them all the time too. And it's just one of those things. Yeah. Uh, and and it's kind of compounding here because Wade's not hitting. Wade's had a chance. He's not hitting. Walker's not hitting either. So Wade is batting 094 on the season. Walker, 188. Uh, you got Anduar, who's batting 135, although he's had some better at-bats recently. So the, the depth we thought that the Yankees had in the infield has not been playing well in the field. And I want to talk about Tyler Wade for a little bit because that throw he made on Thursday when he was trying to get the runner out at the plate, it was a drawn-in infield, and he short-hopped Gary Sanchez. It was an atrocious throw. People were saying, oh, Gary Sanchez needs to block that ball. Gary Sanchez is not worried about a one-hop from 75 feet away. He's worried about tagging the runner when he catches the ball. You need to hit him in the chest right there. That was a terrible throw by Wade. And if he's going to be making crummy plays in the field, there is really no place for him. In that situation, if you're going home, you better damn well make sure that you make that throw. Because... All hell breaks loose if you don't make that throw and you're not getting it out on the, on, the, on the play. So not only do you have to make the throw, but you have to make it in a spot where a tag can be applied as well. So it has to be there in time. It was a bad play, and you're right. If he's not playing well defensively, this is twice now he's been up and, and not hit. And I don't know, maybe this is Tyler Wade. Maybe this is Tyler Wade. Maybe he is the, the, uh, another one of these, the great Yankee 4A players. 4A player. <laughs> um, and, you know, if that's, what, if that's what it is, then, uh, then you know, he's, there's no spot for him because there's no permanent spot for him. His spot would be to be the utility guy. And if that is the case, you would have to beat out the one guy who can play everywhere and gets hits all the time and has good at-bats, which is Ronald Torres. And he's a proven guy that the, the guy, the, everybody in the, in the dugout in the clubhouse knows and loves, and he does a good job when called, when called on. Whenever he's asked to do something, it seems like he does it almost every time. I thought if you gave Wade consistent or relatively consistent at bats, we'd see something out of him, and we haven't yet. And we were having—do you remember the Facebook, uh, the the chat we were having in Facebook amongst the the Bronx Pinstripes writers talking about his stance? And I compared it to Brett Gardner. If you go back and look at Brett Gardner in 2008 when he was called up, his batting stance was all over the place. His bat was held high. He was kind of open, and he was had a lot of movement in his swing. And now if you look at Brett Gardner, he's extremely still at the plate. I think that was a Kevin Long mechanical change. Kevin Long did that with a lot of hitters. Do you remember he did, did that with um, Nick Swisher too? He made Swisher much more quiet at the plate. Just focus on putting the barrel on the ball. What is all this movement? You don't need all that movement. Tyler Wade has a lot of movement at the plate right now. He's not a good enough hitter to have a lot of movement. Keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. I mean, it's, it's funny because it's, it's for some guys it works. Like you watch, uh, you look at how Aaron, Aaron Hicks swings the bat, and, and it's a similar setup where he, where he uh, starts with a wider open position, and his timing mechanism is to bring the leg over and hands go back and almost like rotate at the same time. And it's hard to do because you have a lot of moving parts that have to synchronize every single time. And the reason why a lot of these guys are, are, are simple, making their, more, you know, their batting stance and their swings quieter or more simple, short to the ball, is because you can repeat it over and over and over again. A lot easier than these, these long, elaborate leg kicks and things like that. We saw what Judge did. He made it a lot more simple. There's other things in there, but he made it more simple. You see, uh, it, it's funny because you watch Tyler Wade, who the big news in the offseason when he was working with Albert Pujols, go watch some Albert Pujols. Go look at some, some, uh, some GIFs and like videos of his swing. 
He is very quiet, barely moves his leg. It's like a toe tap, not even just a raisin down. And he's all lower half. And Tyler Wade, yeah, you're right. The bat's up high, looking like Craig Council a little bit. Yeah. Like he's got some, you know, it's a, it's a funky batting stance. And it just seems like it's too elaborate for, for a guy like that who is struggling, obviously. But now is, uh, is one of those, it's, it's difficult when you're not getting every day at bats to make an adjustment at this point. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the guy who's hitting is Ronald Therese. He's batting 429 in the season, 9 for 21. Had a great game on Friday in Detroit. You've painted me as a Therese hater. I don't uh, know why you keep saying that other people paint you as a Therese hater. You paint yourself. You got you to put play, words in your mouth. You got to play toe while, um, while he's hitting. You got to play him. Absolutely. You know, there's nobody else playing well right now uh, when, you, when you look at people who can play second base. He's the one guy who's playing well. You got to play him at this point. You know, he filled in. We remember the long stretch he had last last season in the first month of the season for Didi, playing it short, and he did very well. He played extremely well, and it it wasn't Didi level production, but it wasn't that far off. In all honesty, no, it was I mean good, it was far it was off good because stuff. no. Okay, so here I got. He's this, a different I, type of player. Yes, I got into this discussion on Twitter on Friday night, and it's like, why do the Yankees not just think of Torres as an everyday player? And the reason is because we know what Torres' ceiling is. He can make contact. He will put the barrel on the ball, and that is great. He gives you competitive at bats, but he's a singles hitter. You just Didi Gregorius can hit for power. The idea of Tyler Wade is he could be a dynamic offensive player. He can get the ball. He can have a little bit more pop. He can hit the ball in the gap. A lot of doubles, a lot of triples. He can steal bases. We know what Neil Walker is a prof- as a professional, and it's not a 188 hitter. Neil Walker is a much better hitter. Right. And as far as Andujar, the potential of Andujar is he, he can have 25, 20 to 25 homer power. He, he is a guy in the minors who has hit. Torres, we know what he is, and it's great. It's great that he's consistent. That is the the best attribute of Torres is you plug him in the lineup and you know what you're getting. Right. And, but but he the thing is, the, he doesn't have the his ceiling is what he is right now. And that's fine. That's you know you don't need a high ceiling from a utility guy who can play multiple positions and then give you good at bats. He's going to be at the bottom no, of the order and totally. set the table. He's totally. a table setter, and that's what you need him for. And when he's when he's in the when he's in the game. Uh, he's he's all hustle, playing his ass off, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's made he makes some some you know dumb errors in the field, but when you're looking at him as an offensive player, he works the count, he gets on base, he can run the bases well, he's got some you know good wheels. Like the guy does a lot of things really well. Yeah, I mean he's he's a second baseman, 100%, and he, but he can play he, third he and can short. Play third and short, but I I think if you're talking about if you if he had to play every day, it's got to be second base. I don't think yeah. he's a a long term third baseman. He played oh, for short sure for three four weeks when Didi was out last year, but I think he's not a left side of the infield guy. No, he would be a second baseman if that if that's the. I mean, Toe could probably go get a a full time job somewhere else if he wanted to after the year. I I, I would. Almost guarantee he could on another he, team. He, I mean, the, the Marlins are coming in this week. He'd be their best player. Oh, man, Sterling Castro. That's, that's, a, that's rough. <laughs> um, but he's a, he's a guy that, that you, at this point, when you have Walker and Wade just not hitting the ball at all. And, you know, like you, you just talked about Walker, we kind of know what he is as a professional player. We've seen him. He's got a track record. He's going to hit at some point. He's a, that's what he does. He hits. Uh, Wade... I have no confidence that he's going to hit because I've never seen it. So at that point, you have to play uh, Ronald Torres and, and Neil Walker's going to be, you know, he's over at first base anyway. Yeah. What uh, you just made me think of this. What type of reception does Castro get at the stadium? What type of reception? Yeah. I don't know. Is this a joke? 
No. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, reception. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, like, what, I, do, what do the fans do for him? Like, does he like does he get an ovation? Or is it just like another guy coming to the plate? Castro. Um, I think they I think people cheer him. I thought you said Cashman. I was very, very confused. Oh no, no, Castro. I'm like, Starling I don't know. But actually, the reception at the stadium is actually not that great. Uh yeah, for Castro, I think it's gonna be like uh Oh, like he's gonna get announced, and people are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, he was on the team last year." Let's no, come on, he's better than that. He look, he was a good player. He was a very he's a good hitter. I I think people remember him also because of the big trade. There was a big trade. He started this whole influx of guys coming in with Cashman. It was uh, he was a guy. I was very excited for him. Hell yeah, we were. He was he was. We were uh, coming off of Stephen Drew. That's true. That is very true. Um, I don't know. I think he got he got a bit of a raw deal. I would love for Stalin Cashman to be playing second base right now. Love it. <laughs> I would love it. <laughs> you, you so, but that would be no Giancarlo. They could have figured something out. They could have figured something out. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Hicks earlier with the big game. He had the inside the park home run, then the, the outside the park home run. He's looking healthy after coming back, uh, which is awesome to see. I love inside. Lo- I love inside the park home runs. I was sitting with with my girlfriend on on the couch on Friday night. I saw the ball bounce away. Uh, from the center fielder, she's buried in her phone because she could give a shit less what's going on. I, I put your phone down. Watch, watch what's going to happen. And all she caught the end of it with um, with Hicks's slip and slide slide into the into home. But then she watched the replay. So inside the park, home runs are fun for everybody. They're a lot of fun. When you saw it hit the lo- the bottom of that wall, um, and and it ran away, and there was no left fielder in sight <laughs> to come in to get close. that ball because he's still picking his nose or flirting with whoever's in the first, uh, first row, uh, you knew it was going to be a race to home plate. So it was, um, it was fun to watch. Not kind of what I want to see out of Aaron Hicks immediately, though. Not, not, I love seeing it, don't get me wrong. Not what I personally want to see him be doing as soon as he gets back is doing all that, uh, all that running. Obliques, you know, soft tissues, lots of, lots of things that could happen doing, uh, trying to overextend yourself to uh, stretch out and inside the partner. But seems like he's healthy, seems like he's good. I mean, this is going back to him talking about that he didn't, even feel like he needed to be on the DL in the first place. Yeah. That it was, uh, you know, if it were up to him, he would have played through it. So I bet if the Yankees had a redo, they wouldn't have put him on. They didn't expect I, the wrath of injuries to come after they put him on the DL. It was precautionary. Well, I don't know. I think the Yankees might, this early in the season, might still be precaution, you know, be cautious with him because they know what kind of, uh, you know, the, the soft tissue on that guy. It doesn't heal very well and, and, it, and it gets irritated very fast. So you got to be careful with him. If, if something pops up, you know, if he were to say, hey, I'm sore, he's going to get a couple of days off, like right now. So they're going to be handling him with, with, uh, with white gloves. I also loved what we saw out of Montgomery. It was a bounce back start. He was terrible against Baltimore. He had nothing in that game against Baltimore, and he was, he was pitching like it. But he was attacking hitters uh, in the Detroit lineup. Uh, it's not a great lineup. It still has some names in there. Cabrera, Victor Martinez, uh, Castellanos, I know, um, had a big year, but... He was attacking, and that's what I love to see. He didn't walk a lot of people. No, yeah, that's, and that's, that was one of the big things that we wanted him to work on was going after getting those, uh, throwing the ball in the zone because when he's throwing the ball in the zone more often, he's going to get more of those ground balls. We saw him go deep into account or into, a, into the game as well. Also, uh, one, of the biggest, one of the biggest reasons is because he's getting contact. He's, if you pitch to contact and you're getting you know, weak contact and you're getting a lot of ground balls, 
That's a very good thing for a pitcher uh, to be able to get deep into a game, and the Yankees needed it at that point. You know, they you know they needed some some relief on the on the front end. They needed relief from the starters to 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 give them some time. So and we thought I, I it was going to be that. a cakewalk of a game. It was that game was way closer than it should have been. The right. Yankees had base runners on all night. They were dominating that game and ended up being eight to six thanks to Batances. We have a mailbag question about Batances, so we're not going to get into it right now. But that game was dominated by the Yankees, and it, they only won by two runs. So. And that was a Batantis thing, because Batantis just threw up all over himself. Yeah. Uh, So the Marlins are coming in. They stink. They're 4-11. You got to take these two games at the stadium, especially when you have Severino versus Caleb Smith, and then Masahiro Tanaka versus Harlan Garcia. I'm just glad that Derek Jeter's not coming, because... You are? Yeah, because I don't know how Tanaka would pitch. I think Tanaka, you know, right. he doesn't like when he's think, in the building. Yeah, you might think it's good. another Derek Jeter day and then be like, yep. you know, let me give up 15 home runs in two innings or an inning and a half. Not even, or did he even get through an inning? I don't remember. It was, it was, bad. It was I think it was, uh, it was four homers or five homers in two innings. It was awful. So, yeah, so for that reason, I'm happy about it. Um, I mean, I kind of understand why Jeter's saying that. Jeter doesn't want the attention in the first place. So I he mean, goes, it, well, it's he's, very Jeter not to come. He said it would. I would just be a distraction, and the Yankees coming are coming to Miami in August. So we'll, we'll do whatever. He said, we so, need he said to do something that. about it being awkward too, didn't he? It was. He said. He said the word awkward. The word awkward was in one of those quotes. Like it would be awkward. Like it you're like you're visiting the ex girlfriend's house or something. Don't you think it would be? I guess. I mean, awkward. I mean, where the gonna, first time? No, because for the first time in thirty twenty something years, Derek Jeter would be on the other guy's team. Yeah, it would. It would be a great. It would be a great radio to hear Susan Waldman's call when Jeter shows his face at a Hal Steinbrenner's box. It'd be like a, a complete redo of the Roger Clements. Oh my God, it's Jeter. He's coming out of Hal's box. Uh, he'd still get an ovation, but you think there'd be one person in there booing? Yeah. Uh, might get slapped by the guy next to him, but Jeter's going to get an ovation every single time. It doesn't matter what he does. He gave us Stanton as well. I mean, this guy's been nothing but good to us. Nothing that's, but good to us. That's true. Uh, Sessa was supposed to start against Detroit. He got sent down to AAA. CC's due to come back off the DL at some point soon, uh, and there's been no indication that he is needs more time on the DL. So I expect CC to make a start maybe on Friday. And hey, we saw Big Boy move uh, in the in the fight. He was he was uh, getting ready for it. He was he was in the middle of everything. So I think Loves he's just Ross. fine. Loves it. Loves Big smile Ross. on his face. But yeah, I, no, I'm 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 glad that it was nothing. And uh, you know, he talked about not even being able to feel what he felt on the game day, um, and, and to to feel it again afterwards. So that's good. All good signs. Uh, so the the Yankees just left Fenway. The Red Sox are on fire. They're 13 and two to start the season. It, I, I saw some disgusting MLB pop up notification that it's one of the best starts since like a mid 80s Brewers team for an American League team. Uh, the Yankees play end the season at three games at Fenway Park. I still think those games are going to mean a lot. I think those are going to be like playoff games. They're going to matter for the division. It's April 15th as we're recording this. A lot of shit's going to happen between now and then. But you also have to realize that these games count just as much as the ones in September do. And the Red Sox are playing really hot right now. They're winning a lot of games. The Yankees are seesawing back and forth. So they're going to have to get their shit together pretty soon or else the Red Sox are going to pull away. It's tough to pull away this early. I mean, there's just so many things that happen. But yeah, they're playing good baseball. Obviously, they're 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 the best start in franchise history. They're um they're they're to be reckoned with right now. They're they're hitting the ball well. They're pitching well, except for David Price when he just doesn't. He's like, eh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna stop today. I don't have my best stuff. 
let's say it's a blister. Let's say I have no feeling in my fingers, something. I don't know. I'm just not going to throw anymore. I don't know how that guy walks through Boston. I don't know how he shows his face anywhere up there. I would, well, if I was a Red Sox to. fan, I would, I would want to, like, I would just crucify him. Yeah, well, he makes $30 million a year, so he can probably pay somebody to just cloak him in something so no one even knows. He's got a stunt double that walks through for him. Yeah. So, you know, I love the fact that there's no possible way he's opting out of that contract. He's going to be there for a long time. He's their problem. That's the, uh, the universe balancing out the Dodgers bailout. So that's something at least, not that it's a full balance because that one still hurts. But the uh, but yeah, they're they're playing well. Bottom line, I mean, Yankees got to play better. Uh, you know, there you gotta. It, this is baseball, Susan. You know, you got to win the games, not lose the games. No, and we talked about it on the last episode, I think, where it's it, we we understand it's April. It doesn't mean you can't be frustrated with how the team is playing, and we are frustrated. I think everyone's frustrated. I, yeah, I'm, sure I'm frustrated that the. Boone and the team is frustrated. I'm frustrated that the freaking weather didn't cooperate and we couldn't right. get two more games in Detroit because yeah, that would have been something good. Could have been a three-game sweep, and yeah. we're talking about going in, going home to play the, the crummy, not even AAA Marlins. Like, the Marlins are garbage. Yeah, they got a couple bats, that's it. But there's Castro is going to be ready to go. You know that. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, we have a T-shirt winner before we get to mailbags. You want to read this? It's one of my favorite reviews we've ever had. Yeah, let me get it. All right. This one says, uh, this one gets me through my shift. So five star with uh, a little uh, cop emoji by PV Packers fan. He says, I work as a deputy sheriff down in Florida, and this makes my 12-hour shift go way faster, even though it only knocks off an hour. Could listen to these guys talk about my Bronx Bombers all night long. Actually try and listen to as well as I bring people to jail. And one guy actually told me that he listens to the podcast too. So we both give this podcast five stars. I love that. <laughs> I love that. The, the guy who was going to jail, unfortunately, could not rate it because he is in jail. His phone was um, taken away. Yeah. But see, I, I want to, assuming he didn't do anything too bad, like if it was just like a, a small crime that he pulled, PV Packers fan needs to be like, okay, we just bonded over our love for the Yankees. Maybe I'm going to let you off with a warning right now. Yeah, well, he's already in the car being arrested. Okay. So I don't know how there's, cop, there's I things know how cops work. I don't know. How, I don't know how like the paperwork is. Actually it sounds. Like, it sounds decided. like he was detained at that point. But okay. Uh, and and they're just doing small talk to pass time, which okay. is you know what are you gonna do? <laughs> so I love it. If you're listening, uh, can do, do you write letters? Is that how you is that how you communicate with the outside world? I don't know. Make a phone, a collect phone call. Call call our uh, voicemail line and leave a message. That would be oh. awesome. That would From be jail. the Please only thing we need to we need to complete the voicemail line is someone yeah. calling as their their one phone call is calling to complain about the Yankees from jail. That'd be beautiful. I would love that. That would be that would make my that would make my month. Yes. Uh, so PV Packers fan DM uh, the Twitter account at Bronx Pinstripes or find us on um, on Facebook uh, and we'll get you your T-shirt. Mailbags. First one's from Greg in New York. The first 10 games of the season have been torturous, but there have been some positives. It's too early to decide whether Boone is making the right moves, but it seems like Murphy's law is hard at work the last couple of games against the O's. How much of it is on Boone? I know there is going to be a learning curve, but what would it take for Cashman to pull the ripcord? We've talked about the fact that, you know, the, I'll address the ripcord initially. It's not <laughs> happening. I mean, like, come on. Come on, guys. This is uh, we're in April. He's a brand new manager. We all knew that there were going to be some kind of a growing pain uh, time frame. If you didn't think that there were going to be issues in the beginning, then your head is in the clouds. You thought he was going to be just like the greatest manager from the uh, get go. Everyone was Heads so positive, clouds. though. Out of yeah, I mean, we're, we can still so be positive about him. Still be positive about him. But you still have to understand that things are going to happen. There's no doubt about it. He's still feeling things out like this. I know we're going to get to the Pantanza situation as well, because that 
to me is one of those situations that are like, uh, it's a, it's a, there's two ways to look at it. How more obvious could that be? Let's read that mailbag question right now. Let's just bleed these together. So this one's from Rick at Rick Daddy 7601 on Twitter. I have two questions. Why even bother with Dellen? And why didn't Boone just bring in Chapman at the end of the eighth inning? So he tweeted this to me after Friday night's game. But then we saw, um, or during Friday night's game, Dellen Batances, I mean, he gave up five hits against Detroit. Boone left him out there to give up five hits. How more obvious could it be that a guy does not have it? It could slap him in the face. Everyone was saying, come on, come on, Boone. Like, how long, you get, how, how much are you going to let this go? Not only is it detrimental, not detrimental, it's, it's counterproductive for Batances out there, but you're also getting to a point where this game is now no longer a blowout. It should have been a blowout. Well, so I, I think this is where it is. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys, too. That I, I, I tweeted it from uh, Bronx Pitch. Right? So I'm like, uh, Boone, any day now, or, or, or we, what are we doing here? And um, so I, after looking at it and, and watching the game and seeing just like kind of the body language from Boone as well, there's another side of this, I think, as well. And, and, and part of it is because everybody had their expectations for him to be good because everybody knows the team is good. So they expect the manager to be good. What, what do you have to do? You just got to make sure the guys are out there and they'll play, right? You can't really screw it up at this point. Well, he's also feeling guys out. And I thought this was one of those moments because it was one of those Laffer games. It was 8-3 when he came in. It was a, a blowout at that point. That he gave him a little bit more of an extra leash to try to work out of something. And it seemed like in his face, he was like, I could see, you could see it in Boone's face like he wanted to pull him, but at the same time, Come on, man. One more batter. Get this guy so that you can come in here and close this inning out to end on a positive note. I felt like he really wanted him to get out of that inning. Yeah. And, and I think that's also important to note because, you know, there's a relationship between the manager and a player as well. And, and with a manager in a game situation like that, gives him a little bit more room to have confidence and show confidence in a guy that he can work out of something. And maybe that confidence, maybe he does, and that confidence, you know, rolls over to his next. So, you know, I was, I was, Frustrated while I was watching it, but after I'd thinking about it a little bit more and watching the body language, I, I do see the other side as well. Totally. If the game was a lot closer, it would, he would have been pulled yes. earlier. So I think he, the situation absolutely dictated why he stayed in as long as he did. I get that, but you could tell Batances had nothing. Like You know, you know from, from almost instantly if Batances is on or if he's off. And everyone watching knew he was off. So it, it was, he was not going to work himself out of that. The only way he was going to get out of that is if someone hit the ball right at somebody. Well, and, and to be fair, the last hit, if I remember correctly, it was a little you know, slap to, right, to the right side. It would have been a routine play for second base if it was in the position. But you know, it, it was a weak ground ball, bottom line. So it wasn't good contact. And I think Boone saw some of that too and was trying to let him get out of it. Because some of the, you know, once he, uh, once he let up a couple runs, he started firing some BBs in there. And actually, I'm like, okay, maybe he actually doesn't look terrible right now the, when you're just watching where the pitches are going. People were making contact and they were hitting him, which is better than walking. So, I mean, if we're looking at some positives, they were hitting the ball. So that means he's throwing strikes. He give up like a 450-foot moon bomb, though. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was early. But I got people in the... Um, People in the comments asking if we missed Girardi. Someone asked, yeah. Alberto asked if I missed Girardi. I was impartial when they were getting rid of, when we kind of figured they were getting rid of him at that point. So I was, we both were. you know, it, it is what it is. Like, I don't really, I don't, I'm not going to say I miss him. I'm not going to say, I, well, I mean, uh, we I'm happy we, to see him go either. We were extremely frustrated with Girardi at times too. So yeah. I think it's just that the nature of being a fan of baseball, 
a fan of a baseball team is that you get angry at the manager. Well, and we knew what we were going to get mad at before it even happened with Girardi. We knew what was going to happen. We know his M.O. We don't know Boone's M.O. It looks like you leave pitchers in too long. <laughs> that looks like the M.O. for him right now. Or use um, guys that don't belong in high-leverage situations in high-leverage situations. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll figure him out, but there's still a lot of time for him to change his ways, too. Uh, whoever asked that in the comments, though, Girardi's going to get a job. He's going to get a job next year. Yeah. Yeah, if he wants a job, he'll get a job. If he wanted a job this year, he probably would have gotten a job. I think it was late. It was late. There were a couple situations I don't even know like if he the, wanted the to Nationals, go I know the Nationals already had hired somebody. I, 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 so I That's true. Think, it was late. I think, though, if, if he had gotten fired, if the Yankees didn't, although maybe wouldn't think the same way of him, if, it's sort of like a chicken or the egg thing, right? Because they got to game seven of the ALCS. How, you know, they, that looks good for Girardi. For his next job, that's, that looks good. If, he, if they were bounced against Cleveland, it doesn't look as good. If they were bounced against Cleveland and the last memory you have of Girardi is him not challenging that play in game two, eh, so it may be a different thing. We're going to see Girardi in a, in a uniform again right. very soon if he wants it. <clears throat> I don't see him in the booth anymore. He just looks out of place at this point. Maybe that was just yeah. the first week I watched it and he just looked like, kept saying we and he just, he just looked like he wanted to be a manager. That's just sad. No one wants it to was no sad. One, no one wants it. It was sad. It was, it, I didn't like seeing it. Um, what's up next? All right, the next one is from Brian, Brian Brennan at BBRI1991. If Glaber Torres does get called up, where does Brandon Drury fit into the team when he comes back, assuming he does? And, yeah, sorry, there's a, there was also a, a comment in, on Facebook of um, PJ McQuaid talking about, I guess Boone said something about Drury today, talking about um, saying when he spoke with him, Compared to when he spoke with him the last time when they left the road trip, he sounded much better, much better, like a different guy. So they sound relatively optimistic, if that's anything. And we kind of touched on, on the infield dynamic a, a few minutes ago when we were talking about it earlier, but I still think it's Brendan Jury's job is third yeah. base. When he's healthy, I think he gets that job. Well, I think so. that Gleyber Torres, when he comes up, they want him to be the second baseman. They don't want him to be the third baseman. I feel like in a perfect world, they have... Um, one guy who they just traded for to be third base, and if that doesn't work out, they have another guy in the minor leagues who is a first ba- or is a third baseman and is not, you know, he, he doesn't play really anywhere else. Gleyber Torres is a shortstop, is a middle infielder, you know, by trade. That's what he is. He can play yeah. second base. Yes, and then if you're really looking down the road and you're like, okay, so Gleyber Torres is called up and he's playing well, and you have Drury healthy and Bird is back and healthy, then what do the Yankees do? Well, then at that point, Torres is your second baseman, Drury is your third baseman. Bird's your first baseman, and you have Neil Walker and Ronald Torres to, to be the depth. Unfortunately, Tyler Wade, especially with the way he's playing, is the odd man out, and that's obvious. Oh, 100%. I mean, Tyler Wade's got to hit the ball. <laughs> you can't just be a guy that, that can play multiple positions, and, and that's it. Um, because there's a, there are, we have, the Yankees have a few planes. of those guys. Right. Uh, so I, I want Drury to come back and be healthy because he was hitting when, in the first couple games of the season, and it looked like he was going to be exactly what the Yankees thought, which is a right-handed bat that had not really developed his power yet. And yep. they were going to enjoy the fruits of, of Cashman seeing the future for, for Brendan Drury. He was going to be another one of those guys that Cashman pulls out of his ass, and people are saying, now where the Yankees find this all-star? Yeah, and I still think he's going to be one of those guys. You know, to, to what extent the ceiling is, I don't know, but I think it's, it's high. I think he's got a lot of really good potential, and... You know, this is something that it may linger on, but I, I you know, I, at some point it's going to pass. You have to believe. Um, and when it does, when he's fully healthy, then he's going to be back and he'll play third base because 
I love his intensity. The guy looks like a ball player. The next question is uh, from Ryan. He says, should baseball just allow brawls to happen uh, at a certain extent, like how hockey allows guys <laughs> to fight? It might end up policing the game even more and avoid situations like we had on Wednesday. Quickly, uh, aftermath from the brawl. Tyler Austin suspended five games. Joe Kelly suspended six games. Six games for a pitcher is not comparable to five games for a position player. Five games for a position player is, is a lot. CC, uh, Nevin, and Cora were all fined. Nevin had that hilarious quote after the game about how he looked fat in, in his, uh, he was wearing too many layers because it was cold. And then uh, Canely, who was ejected from the game, um, did not get any fines or anything like that, which, which was good. So nothing else is coming down for Canely. I think Pedroia was fine too because <clears throat> he's on the DL. He was he on the DL out. and he came out. Right. So if you come out and you're on the DL, you get in trouble. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think they do let it happen, don't they? I mean, did, no, were there umpires stopping it? <laughs> They I mean, don't. kind of. No, they 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 try to stop it. They try to prevent it from happening in the beginning. But once it's on, I mean, like, it's gonna happen. Well, I mean, there's not. I mean, not it's the guys who are breaking anything. it up are the players in themselves. That's who's breaking it up. You it's can't the other do players. anything though. Once that starts, you can't do anything. An umpire is gonna get killed. I think what what Ryan is talking <laughs> about is like like it would be Tyler Austin and Joe Kelly fight for thirty seconds. <laughs> That's like, what it would that, be. That, that's that's like that's, that's ridiculous. Does. That's what yeah. hockey does. And they get their penalties. They go. They go and they they serve their penalties. But but, but would that police the game? Would guys be more because baseball brawls? It's funny because they run out there and they know they get maybe five seconds of fighting, and then there's going to be a pile, and then no one's really going to do anything. It's just a melee. So if they go into it knowing it's going to be me versus Joe Kelly or Tyler Austin versus okay. Joe Kelly for 30 seconds, they might not be inclined to fight. I think you have, like, this is like your own little dream. Because uh, I don't even think that's what he was really talking I think he was more like, does baseball just let uh, brawls happen? And, and, like, and I think they kind of do. They, they don't really say no. Oh, no, you, when you he can, says like hockey. Suspend. No, he's, he's saying like, like hockey, hockey because hockey lets hockey it happens, but it happens in okay. a very different way. It's still so a natural so way of happening. I misunderstood this question a little bit, but only because in hockey there's no you're not you're not running from the um, from home plate to the pitcher's mound. There's no space in between. Usually in hockey, when there's a fight, it's it's uh, you know they're very close or they're on freaking skates on ice and they can get to each other extremely fast before anybody else and then it's just like engagement one on one and it's just like but it's allowed you know, the one on one engagement is allowed and then and then it breaks up they do they do stop the yes but at the same time the brawls like there are not umpires trying to like necessarily get in the middle of fights like some do but mostly it's just players policing themselves I think uh, they kind of do happen. Look at look at Arenado. He was chasing guys around trying to jack him. <laughs> like he was, he's a lunatic out there. Arenado, I love uh, that. Took some extra Adderall before the game. Yeah, it was great. Uh, no, I I don't know. It would be it would be. I don't think they allow brawls. I think baseball does not want brawls. Whereas hockey, I know they say they don't want fights, but they still want fights. You don't think Rob Manfred was like, okay, no, when, when oh, Yankees Red Sox. When he so like, saw Yankees when Tyler Red Sox Wade come happening. out. Yeah, when Tyler Wade started around, he's like, go 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 go. Yes. you know Manfred was like, yes. This yes, is exactly absolutely. what baseball wants. Baseball had, wants there to be bad blood between these two He teams. had uh, the sound of cash registers just chinging yeah. in the back. Damn right. No, I get that. Yeah. But, but uh, baseball does. I mean, you know, in fact, the fact that they had this hard slide rule and there's no contact at the catcher and all this stuff actually allows these brawls to happen even more. Because the only reason that Brock Holt was pissed off is because you can't slide hard anymore. You're talking about last episode how baseball's getting too soft. If you could just allow hard slides to happen, it ends right there. 
Hard Maybe. slide. That's normal. Hard slide. I'm a second baseman. I'm a shortstop, and I'm t- trying to turn a double play. I'm going to get slid into. That's just you're still going to take offense to it if a, if a guy cleats you. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll you'll have more scuffles because those will happen more often. But yes, yeah, so like you could get mad about smaller things now, and we could just like completely sissify this game because that's what's happened. Maybe this is something they need to add to the minor league rules, right? Maybe we're doing like okay, extra innings, guy on second. If there's two walks. The third, if the if there's a walk already, the second guy does not walk to first base. He fights the pitcher. That that could get interesting. <laughs> then you start seeing like massive dudes, uh, you know, coming in as closers. I like yeah. it. I, I think that is a nice little rub. We're fixing baseball one episode at a time here. Hey, got to uh, do what, it. What's up next? All right, we're talking about Sonny Gray here. Noah is is uh, writing in about Sonny Gray. He's a tremendously talented baseball player, but can we just agree? Uh, he should not be interviewed. He's so nervous trying to recite the front office one-liners. It makes me nervous. Do you guys feel the same way? And I know what he's referring to because this, this email came in right after the, I was watching those, those interviews at the locker with Sonny Gray after the, uh, the, the, his start in Boston. And yeah, it was, it was weird. It was a, it was a weird tone. They were, the, the reporters, you know, they kind of got something when they said, hey, what was your report? Why were you shaking off pitches? And he didn't answer the question why I was shaking off pitches. He just was like, uh, uh, uh. He's he's looked, he's, he he's seemed like a really un, non, a guy that had no confidence yep. uh, and, and, and talking in front of class like he was like so nervous. It what was is Sonny Gray at this point? 28 years old, right? He looks 15. He looks 15. He talks like he's 15. Yeah. Like he's, it, a, nervous, he's a nervous kid out there. That's how, he, that's how he talks and that's how he's pitching right now. He's like a, a nervous rookie. Yeah. You no, know, he, he needs a shot of, some, of, of confidence. Someone needs to... Do something. They gotta like fire him up because he the, even just the way. So anyway, but going back to that too, like you could tell that there was something there that he did not want to say with him and Sanchez. There's a disconnect, a hundred percent, and it's and it's very obvious. Even I mean, we all could see it when they're when they're when we're watching them play. But at the same time, when he's shaking them off, but when he's talking about it and you read his facial expressions and the tone and everything else behind it, there's something there. There's something weird going on there, and they need to fix it. If there is actually something there and Boone and the coaches know about it, then we might get a personal catcher. No, I think, the, I think this, is where, this is where good relationship style coaches and uh, managers come into play. This is where they make their money, isn't it? Where they can, where they can make sure that they can you know, have that good relationship to talk to each guy and, and bridge the relationship or whatever the hell is going on and figure out a solution together as a team. This is what those guys should be doing. Forget the personal catcher situation. They need to fix this because they're professional baseball players. That's what needs to happen. And as a professional baseball player, if you have a good manager talking to you and you feel comfortable with that guy, then there should be some kind of a way to fix this. I'm not saying they have bad blood to each other. I think it's no, a communication no, no, not thing. bad blood. And maybe but it's a, a language issue. I don't know, but they need to fix it. Gary Sanchez can speak English. I know. He's got to be able to say. He I'm can making shit up at this point. I don't he know can at least say fastball, is. slider, curveball, like all that, all the, the baseball lingo. He knows how to speak. It could be a gray. difference in philosophy, though, as well, on, on when you throw a certain pitch in a given situation. Well, that just, take, that just takes, like, let's sit down in a room and figure this shit out. Like, how, how are you going to be? No, I don't, I don't. Okay, sorry. I just thought of this. It's not difference in philosophy because there's no way that Austin Romine and Gary Sanchez go into a game depending on who's pitching with different philosophies. They're on the same page. Austin Romine's in all of the pitcher-catcher meetings just with Gary Sanchez and all the starting pitchers. Right, but during the game, this is where this is where things go go off, is in a game. Yeah, you come in with a game plan. Maybe Sonny's like, okay, we've talked about this. It's a 2-2 count. 
This guy is is uh, constantly chasing with two strikes, low and away. I'm going to throw a breaking ball low and away. Uh, Sanchez is like, nah, this guy hit something like that. Last time I saw him, I'm going to call a different pitch. He's, and, and then suddenly in his head, is like, oh, we talked about this. Why aren't you throwing this? I'm shaking you off, shaking you off. But Gary Sanchez at that point in that game and in the situation says, oh, no, do this. Or vice versa. And Things change in a game. and But but there needs to be a constant communication between innings. And, and hey, like we know who's coming up. This is how we're going to attack this guy. Right. And, and he, there's, he there's can't a go out to the mound. He can't go out to the mound and talk right. about it. <laughs> yeah. They, the communication needs to be absolutely accentuated between innings. It's a thing. It is. And it's going to get some certain guys are going to have to get used to it faster than others. Yeah. Uh, next one's from Jake. Do you guys think Aaron Judge is having success this season because the microscope isn't on him with Stanton's early struggles? We have not really talked about how well Judge is playing right now. 340, 470, 556 is a slash line with three homers, nine RBIs, and 53 at-bats. He's currently on an 11-game hitting streak. He's striking out a 32% clip, which is about what he did last year, and he's leading the, the league in walks. <clears throat> Love it. I mean, yeah, we haven't talked about it as much because there have been so many other things that we had to harp on. But, you know, we've mentioned this guy is the consummate pro. Like, this every single time, he is, he is uh, it seems like he's, going at a game and approaching an at-bat, the guy has a professional at-bat. The guy does, um, you know, he, he's prepared. He's uh, he's making adjustments. He's playing well in the field. He's stealing bases. I mean, the dude does everything right now. And when you see such a, like, the, how he made such ridiculous adjustments from the end of 2016 to 17, like, that alone, when I saw that and see what he was doing, it just makes me believe that this guy is going to continuously make these adjustments. He's smart enough and, you know, we talked about one of those um, special attributes of a player to actually feel, you know, the way that you're swinging and make uh, certain adjustments within a game or within a series or within an at-bat. Like, I do think Aaron Judge is one of those guys. And he's going to get better at it. Maybe he had a, you know, he, it was a big learning experience in the middle of the season last year when he went to that slump. But you know what he did? He dug himself out of that big hole. And he came back and finished the season and had one of his, the best month probably in September. Right. So I, I got all the confidence in the world with this guy. No, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he, the microscope isn't on him. No, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a mentally weak player or anything like that. No, I don't think so at all. I don't think he. I, it, you know, we as a marketing side, you're like, oh, these guys could be great together, but at the same time, a little bit of a spotlight taken away. But no, Aaron but Judge does anything, not care. But but I, I, there's still more Aaron Judge jerseys than Stan jerseys in the stadium. He's still got the judges' chambers out in right field. Judge is still the face of the Yankees. Stan oh, is not the face of the Yankees. Hundred percent, no doubt about it. And there's a, he's he's been in a ton of marketing stuff too. I mean, he's he's the more marketable yeah, the, guy. The right Pepsi now for sure. the Pepsi commercial. He's yeah. on the cover of the new MLB The Show video game. So he's he's still at a, in a higher spotlight than than, than Stan. And, and Stan's going to start hitting, and Judge will go into a slump this season, and the roles will be reversed. Right. And they will. It will happen. Of course, because that's <laughs> the type of players they are. But, but we know Judge has done this before. Like, when, when Judge was in his slump last year in, August, uh, in um, July and August, there was a small part of us, and I know a lot of Yankees fans, that said, okay, well, is he just, was it just a fluke? Was his first half a fluke? And it was just, but there were the, 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 diff, the reason why you know, I felt like it was not a fluke was because the, the drastic changes, you know, they're just, they're just too drastic. You don't go from being the triple crown guy going into the all-star break to falling off the planet. Like something's up, like what's up. And it's, it turns out there was something up that he was dealing with some, some nagging injuries. So, you know, look, this is, if you remember when Aaron judge came up, 
every like one of the big things on him was every single time he made a jump to the next level in the minor leagues and then to the pros. He struggled in the beginning, but he always made the adjustments and and did well on whatever the uh, the, the league he was in, whether it was single A, double A, triple A, the pros. And that's exactly what he did. He made that adjustment. Then he had to make another adjustment because he went into a slump in in middle of a season. So he's got the ability. He's he's gonna, he's, he's he's the man. <laughs> All right. Why don't you read the last one? All right. Last one is from Robin. He said, "Hey guys, or she, uh, UK fan here. I am so pumped for the Yankees Red Sox series in London next year. Inside scoop for you. I have it in good authority. The series will be at the Olympic Stadium, which has dimensions perfect for baseball. Any chance there's going to be a BP outing this side of the water?" Awesome. Um, good. I'm glad that that's, that, that's going to be a sweet <laughs> venue. Wish I could talk more about the Olympic Stadium. Um, I don't watch soccer or anything like that or any of the uh, well, any, anything at the Olympic Stadium. I'm sure they play soccer there too, right? No, yeah. So they do, Well, no. Wembley Stadium is, I know, where the NFL plays, and I think that's where they play soccer. Okay. I don't freaking know. I have no idea. But I can Googling tell you this. It. I'm going over there. And yes, we will. I don't know how big it will be. But we will have, uh, with, with the amount of people that listen to this show and our Yankee fans that we know about that are in the UK, there's a, there's a whole contingent out there. And like, I want to say four or five of them have come to our events. So right. we have met a bunch of these the guys. The least we could do is yeah. go over there for them. I'm 100% going over, over there. There's no doubt yeah. about it. We will have a, and you know, we got, we got friends in the south of France too with a wine cellar. We're Olympic good. Stadium, it, must, it just looks like where they did all the track and field events for the, uh, it must have been the main stadium for the, for the Olympics. Cool. Are you? Yeah. Um, have you been to London before? No, but I've been to uh, Heathrow. The, so you've been to the airport. Awesome. That's it. <laughs> that I does looked not out the window count. And, it does and not it was count. Raining. If you do not go outside, that does not count. No, I have so, not been there. I have not been there. I have been uh, through there, but not. I have never stayed there. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I think, I think there's a lot more baseball fans in the UK, especially Yankees, Red Sox. Um, there's just a ton of fans over there. So it just like from our podcast alone, it's yeah. just a small snippet of what we're what we're reaching over there in the UK. That I I think there is a massive interest. I, I think it will be interesting. You know, I, I know some people are like, I, I don't like the fact that there's a home game taken away or I was whatever. Like 80, I, 81 of them, like sh- chill out, of, dude. Yeah. Chill it's, out. It's not any further. Uh, what's the flight? to london seven hours six hours well it's the same time on the flight but it's the time zones that are tough okay fine whatever similar to going to the west coast right i know and then the argument is well you don't go to the you don't go to oakland for two games you go to oakland and anaheim and then you know you go out there for the whole week you don't go out there whatever 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 i i don't really care about all that stuff like i feel like these guys will just deal with it and figure it out like the fact that they're they're gaining more interest across uh, internationally, I think is interesting. I think it's cool. I think baseball is an amazing game, uh, and it should be celebrated and and shown. The world should know more about baseball if they're not, you know, fans of it. So I'm all for advancing the game because that just means more players are going to come. I mean, like think about it in 20 years, we might, 30 years, we may have more players coming over from Europe and the UK for baseball if they start getting this interest with the the young kids. That's cool. That's 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 something that's that's you know growing the game. I love it, um, and it's an excuse to go to London. Yeah, now I'm excited about the go, going to London next June. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for submitting mailbag questions. To do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Yankees Podcast. We're always tweeting out 
the uh, the call for mailbags there, so you can reply directly from that tweet, or you can post them in the Facebook group. Just search the Bronx Pinstripe Show on Facebook. We have a ton of good in-game chatter going on in that group, so that's that's really been popping off. Love to see that. Also, uh, to finish this show, there will be voicemails. I think there'll be some ones about the brawl, which should be a lot of fun. To call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. And what I want you to do is also save that. So you don't have to go searching for it every time you have a thought that pops in your head or anytime the Yankees and Red Sox get into a brawl. You can just pull that up. BP show voicemail line, dial, rant, done. That's what we want. No, that's a great idea. You should absolutely save it into your phone. Um, hey, look, we got a, a, a very big stretch coming up like of, of big games with opponents that are not that easy. When you're dealing with the Marlins, you got to win these games. Um, but then it's, you know, you, you're Blue Jays for four. Blue Jays seem to always give some issues. Then it's the Twins, Angels, Astros. So it ain't getting easy. And unfortunately, we didn't have these uh, Tigers games to, to kind of warm up. Um, but now we got to use the Marlins for that. Hopefully the weather is good and they can play some good baseball. Um, but yeah, big stretch coming up. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for joining the Facebook Live, and we'll talk to you next or No, talk to you on Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Are you fucking kidding me? 14 to 1 in the end of the six. I'd rather slap my mom than see the fucking goddamn Red Sox beat the Yankees like this. Fuck, I blame Aaron Boone. I fucking, I blame him with the amount of fucking talent on this team and this shit happens. Fuck, public enemy number one, Aaron Boone. Hey guys, your boy Lando from the still. Um, I do not understand that game. I really don't. If you see the if you see the box score, we only had one left hit than them. We had one run off ten hits. Ten. They only had eleven hits and had fourteen runs. Heavy struggles. Our bats was there, but wasn't there enough. I don't understand the game, but I'm not giving up on this team. This team is too good for us to be dominated like that. We we actually got some hits off of a Cy Young pitcher. Alright guys, so y'all please stay positive, please. Please. I call battle work. Six of my stomach. I can't believe that we just lost. Or the Red Sox. Terrible. Awful. Disgusting. But it's early in the season, right? That was fucking painful. Like, really fucking painful. I hate this fucking Red Sox team. The rivalry's back, motherfucker. How the fuck do you lose 14 to 1? It looked pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. I don't know why every game feels like it's October, but every game feels like it's fucking October. Oh, I'm so fucking mad. I hate the Red Sox. Hey guys, I'm watching Tyler Wade throw the ball, spike the ball in the dirt. What is his purpose on this team? Can't hit, can't feel, get him off this team with seek labor. Hey, Pinstripers, this is Eric from Syracuse calling after last Thursday night's 
gutless and pathetic performance by Sonny Gray. I was doing my best uh, impression of the Kobe Bryant meme, shaking my head and saying soft the entire three pathetic inning. God, dude, that guy fucking sucks. Alright, on to Detroit. I am so sick of watching Dylan Batanzas blow baseball games. The man cannot control his fastball, and when he does, it's pike. No one fears him. No one worries about that breaking ball anymore. They just sit on it. They just take advantage of him. The guy is unreliable to the point to where we need to send him to the goddamn major... Miners. God fucking... What are we going to do about Dylan Batances? I'm so sick and tired of being nervous needing to go through a whole bottle of Tums whenever that man steps on the goddamn mound. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.